your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clon Mel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. of extra time my name is Ronan Quirk we're here until 8 o'clock this evening we'd love to know your thoughts our text number is open to you now it's 083 311 yeah we've a lot to cover on tonight's show um, we will be covering uh, news of the county convention and we'll also be uh, speaking to Sean O'Keefe after her first pro fight win over the weekend when she fought in the York Hall in London lots of rugby to cover lots of local soccer as well but I'm going to start by saying uh, first and a First time on Extra Time, a very special welcome to the CEO of the Tiberi County Board, Marta Brennan. Good evening to you, Marta. Good evening, Ronan. How are you? I'm good. Talk, good to talk to you. And it's probably relief on your part to get your first county convention under the belt. Ah, it is. Yeah, it's um, my first year, so everything is really a milestone. And um, the, the convention was just another one. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's glad to have it done now. And, um, yeah, we still have a bit of work to do before we, uh, we, we lock up for Christmas. I would imagine. So, uh, just on a general point, is it what... Is the job as much as you thought it was going to be, or is it even more time-consuming? Ah, yeah, well, I always knew it was going to be time-consuming. It's a very broad portfolio. There's so much in it um, in the GEA. But, uh, yeah, it's everything that was advertised, really. But, I mean, it, it, it is all-consuming. It, it's kind of, as someone described it, it's a vocation, really, more than a job. Um, you're never off the clock. Um, you, you have to be available to take a call seven days a week in terms of things happening or the unexpected. And um, I was aware of that. And, and unfortunately, I suppose I have a very supportive family that allowed me to yeah. work in an area which I'm so passionate about. So it's great, really, Ron. And it's like I said, it's, the year has gone so quickly. Um, I can't believe it. it 12, months, 12 months have passed. I really can't. It, it only seems like yesterday that I was walking in the door um, meeting Joe Kennedy and, and, and Tim Floyd. And um, yeah, we're now in December and the Congress done, so it's it's been a really busy year, but um, it's all about learning and this, this year has been all about learning. There's still lots more to learn. Mm. Uh, they say if you, if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life, is so the saying goes. But anyway... Uh, That's true, yeah, it is. And um, look, I, I, love, I love the GA, I, I love sport, I love, love, love working in this space and um, I, I'll, I'll do it as long as I'm, I'm allowed to do it. Okay, well listen, uh, so far so good, Murta, but let's just talk about the convention. A quick word on the finances. How would you describe the finances of the Tipperary County Board after a year in where, you know, keeping senior teams and all the inter-county teams on the road continues to be an escalating expensive business? Yeah, uh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, Ronan, I've, I've gotten to see behind the curtain, really. I, I've been involved in GA, but never this closely to it. And uh, I suppose the first thing to stand back is that well, first of all, Tipperary are very proud to be competitive in both hurling and football. Um, unlike any other counties, we've expectations and uh, KPI set for both our teams. Um, but we are operating in the middle of a cost of living crisis. Uh, feeding has gone up. Um, in my previous role in the Defence Force, I was aware that we had a shortage of medical staff. And, and even finding medical staff to operate with our teams, they are quite costly. As our scans, our procedures, there was um increase in kit costs mileage expenses have been increased. So everything has gone up. Um, but one thing I'll say is that all six of our managers in Tipperary are very much aware of the challenges. And and what I've learned is they're all very prudent um, towards their expenditure. And 
uh, and they all support what we're trying to do with the county board in that area. So the aim is to, to be prudent with all, our, with all our expenditures, but also remain operationally to be able to challenge at the top level. Ultimately, we want our best team out there challenging um, at all grades. And um, it is a challenge. It's something that will allow to be managed um, mm. in close cooperation with the executive and the, uh, and the treasurer weekly, not even monthly, weekly. You have to cut down and, and, and drill down into every single expenditure. And, and we have made cuts. We have made savings. But um, there's a lot to do. And we, we, we launched our last Antidash last Sunday and a fair play tip of him was there forced to, to broadcast and promote it. Yeah. And that was great. It does show us that we, we do have to do a lot more fundraising um, in terms of... Uh, bringing in additional revenue. Well, I, you're not alone. And I'm sure there's 31 other county boards would echo the exact what you've just said. But if you look at commercial income, Kerry, I think, took in 1.3 million in commercial income last year. Tipperary took in 715,000. Is there untapped resources there that perhaps we need to be a bit smarter about how we go about it? There is. Um, I know, we, I know that when our strategic plan is going to be completed in, in, in early January there'd be, there'd be space for um, I suppose a financial committee to look at these things <clears throat> um, in terms of maybe putting additional sponsors um, to things we already have I mean the Tipperary brand is quite strong and it's something we'd look to to explore even further we, we did join the Chamber of Commerce this year with aim of promoting our brand I suppose the, the business of, of GEA and I hate to use that word but the reality is it, it does provide great seasonal employment to the county. Um, a lot of money comes into towns from teams and from games and from matches. So we'd like to have a kind of a, more of a mutually beneficial relationship with, with more businesses in the area of Tipperary um, in terms of supporting us. And that's something we're going to explore further, myself and, uh, and the Treasurer, Elliot and Hart. Um, we've already made, made inroads towards it, but it's something we're going to have to explore further. We're going to have to take in more um, but also additional fundraising. It's something we have to do. We have to roll up our sleeves and, and, and create products that we can sell to the public and generate additional income. Like but, I said, last Sunday was a start for that. We, we, with our organ run, we, we made, we made, it was fantastically supported by the people at Tipperary and generated great income. We're just going to have to do more of that. Okay. Can I just ask you, like, take for example something that's a low-hanging fruit, such as raising the admission price into matches. The gate receipts in this year was pretty similar to the previous year, despite the fact that there'd been an increase in the admission charge into games, which would suggest to me that less people are going to games now. Yeah, there's, there's, there's challenges. I'll have to explore that in further detail. Um, but yeah, that, that's something we're going to have to look at along with other things rolling in the new year. Yeah. Let's just talk about some motions that I think were worthy of a bit more discussion. And this programme has spent quite a bit of time over the last couple of years talking to people like Conor O'Donovan and others. But Conor and the Nina Aero Club deserve great, well, Conor in particular, I think, uh, deserve great credit for pursuing the issue of the hand pass in hurling with a passion that really is quite quite honourable, I think, on his part. And Nina have got that over the line now in relation to the hand pass rule. That'll go to Congress. That's anything but clear as to what happens when a rule change goes to Congress because the CLAR has to you have to ensure that um, it doesn't impact other rules. It, it, it's hugely complex I'd have thought. It is. Well firstly, um, Connor delivered a very comprehensive brief to the floor last Saturday night um, in terms of putting forward the motion. It was great to see. He had visual aids put together in terms of what constitutes a hand pass. He had, he had had also reading material for all all um, all attendees. So yeah, it passed. I suppose it's become a bit of a blight in the game, um, the hand pass or the throw. Um, and it's very difficult at times for, for referees to even see 
which one is which. And it creates, it leads to inconsistency, and inconsistency always leads to frustration. So look, <clears throat> this motion was well put, word of word, and well put together, and uh, was put to the floor and passed. And now we're going to have to put, send it up to Crow Park to see are there any amendments required before it makes the floor in February for um, for Congress. So we'll, we'll be fully supportive of it. It's a, it's a very good motion, well put together, and uh, yeah, hopefully, it, hopefully we'll we'll have a good shot at getting over the line in, in February. Is it too early to ask you whether you have a sense of other counties perhaps rowing in behind it? Um, you know, I mean, this this will go to the floor of Congress, so all all delegates will have a vote outside yeah. hurling strongholds who may not be as emotionally invested in it as the likes of ourselves, the likes of say Eccle Kenny might be. Again, it's in the delivery. On, on, on this is my, my this will be my second Congress, and I suppose some of the motions that do uh, get through, they, they they have to be delivered very well on the floor. Um, but we'll have to socialise the idea with other counties too, leading up to us to, to explore their views and put ours across, and um, yeah, get support from that regard. But uh, I think it's a good much. It is early to say um, how it will be taken. Um, time will tell over the next the next the next six weeks leading up to Congress. We'll have more of a feeling for for where it lies at that stage. Can I ask about the Timmy Vara motion, which was carried and will go to Congress about penalty shootouts. They're not fans of penalty shootouts, it seems, in Timmy Vara. And not a lot of us are. And I think if you watched the Munster Senior Club football final yesterday between Castlehaven and Dingle, asking fellas to participate in a penalty shootout during uh, yeah. an Atlantic storm is a little bit unfair for such a prestigious cup that might some players might get one shot at in their entire career. Yeah, you're right. Um, I suppose we all... Watched just what our man lose two penalty shootouts in two years in a row, and, and, and we all watched the Castlehaven and Dingle game. Um, I suppose it, the feeling is it's a very cruel and sudden way to finish and lose a game. And um, now that said, I suppose that that was met with great discussion on the floor on Saturday night. We we had we had voices coming in saying, "Well, look, you had to lose a game one way or another, and and maybe penalties and maybe a last minute refereeing decision, or it might be an error. This is just another one of those ways." Um, and then people spoke about the importance of replays, getting get a second chance out, and um, the benefit of them. But I suppose the cons, the real con in this uh, challenge, in this would be the issue with fixtures, uh, particularly with the split season. We're we're, we're talking we're already experiencing difficulty getting fixtures, um, getting referees, getting pitches. So yeah, the replays that that's the main challenge in that regard. But um, like I said, it was it was heavily debated on the floor and. Um, it, it, we, we had to vote and, and it passed so Patsy Hanley gave a very good uh, like a, 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 made a very good argument and, uh, now there would be a change to it if we, if we move it up we'd probably have to add football and hurling to that at the moment as it stands it's just for hurling so <clears throat> we'd have to um to amend that before it goes up to do Gaelic football and uh, But you'd have to have sympathy for the CCC who uh, you know nobody wants to be the ones who's fixing matches and trying to shoehorn sometimes matches into a limited number of weekends um, particularly like we've yeah. only finished the under 21 on Saturday you know not a great time like you're not guaranteed weather at any stage in this great country of ours but you can pretty much no. predict that December's going to be tough now for playing matches the CCC, um, I do have great sympathy for them. As I said Saturday night, I think they're one of the busiest committees in the county. Um, they met over 30 times uh, this year alone. So yeah, that that is the challenge, as I say. It's the fixtures will always be the challenge. I suppose when people look back to the to, to, to the glory days of, of Dublin Mead, but that was direct knockout. Um, there was more space in the calendar. It was uh, an extended season. And we don't have that now. So I suppose, unfortunately, that's why they brought in the penalties in the first place. But we'll see how it goes if it makes the floor. Um, 
sort of impact it will. I'm sure it'll be. Uh, I'm sure it'll be heavily discussed and heavily, uh, heavily debated yeah, in Congress right. because, as I said, particularly from footballing counties, um, that will have a, a big say in this. Listen, uh, we got to fly, um, but I might want to thank you for all your efforts this year, but particularly for your taking the time to talk to us this evening, Murta, and wish you and your family thanks. well and have a smashing Christmas and a busy 2024. Thanks, Ronan, and a big fan of the show, so thanks for having me on. Right. I appreciate it. Thanks indeed, Murta. Take care of yourself. Take care. God, God bless. bless. Well, uh, County CEO of the County Board, uh, Murta Brennan, uh, joining us there for the first time on Extra Time, but the first of many times, hopefully, on Extra Time. We have a break to take. Lots more to come on Extra Time. We'll come back to some more discussion on convention when we come back after this. Extra time on Tip FM. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA owned Dylan Nina. OREA Stud Serve Daily. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month. Get your nominations in now. Yeah, you can send a nomination to sportstar at tipfm.com if you've seen some sporting excellence in the calendar month of December. Just send a nomination into sportstar at tipfm.com and if you missed it last week the sports star of the month for November was Nina CBS who won the Dean Ryan Cup for the first time in their history in the month of November so there are our November winners to go along with many others including our January winner from earlier on this year who's Shauna O'Keefe who will be joining us later on in tonight's show Shauna was an amateur back in January when she won the National League Championship and now she's turned professional and fought for the first time this weekend we'll speak to her before we go off air this evening let's have a word with Noel Dundon who attended Congress last Saturday night uh, in a non-voting capacity how are you Noel? Oh, hello, Ronan. How are things? <laughs> I actually forgot to ask Martha about the vice chairman uh, vote. It um, was contested, I think, between uh, two gentlemen uh, from Ross Gray and Bursley, respectively. Um, but we don't have uh, there was no white smoke at the end of it because the electoral process became a little uh, complex. Can you explain? It did. It did. Yeah. Um, it kind of it kind of left uh, a sour taste at the end of convention, really, uh, Ronan, You know, and it leaves Tipperary with a bit of egg on the face. Uh, basically, um, when the votes were counted, we had more votes than we had delegates to vote on them. So um, the 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 word was that um, the voting strength would have been two hundred and thirteen. Um, but when the votes were counted up, it seems that there were uh, two hundred and eighteen votes. So obviously five five rogue votes appeared from somewhere. My um, understanding is that the ballot papers <clears throat> were given to people who shouldn't have gotten a ballot paper. Perhaps. Like, I, I, you I are allowed, the, if I turned up, and then, uh, <clears throat> even if I wasn't a member of the press, I could go in just to watch what's going on at the convention. I don't have to be a registered, a, a named delegate from my club, do I? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's true. anybody anybody can go along uh, more or less to, to to watch proceedings and all that. But um, the delegates, as they're going in, the actual delegates as they're going in, will get their voting papers and and get their, their you know the reports and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they will be given out there at the door by by usually by the the divisional officers. Um, and and they were on hand there um, on Saturday night to give them out. So it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a curious one because. Um, obviously, votes came in that weren't entitled to be there, um, and the vote was obviously very, very tight. We're hearing um, in the background that it was actually tied, that it could have been tied at 109 votes apiece between Mark McLaughlin and uh, Mike Kearney. So, like, it couldn't be any tighter. Um, but if there were five votes there that shouldn't have been there, well, which way did they fall? And and the unfortunate thing from a, from the board point of view was that um, it took quite some time to sort out everything. And by the time it was sorted out, quite a few delegates had uh, had already left. 
so they couldn't take another vote there and then on I the see night. What you mean. But uh, but yeah. the thing that strikes me about that is the five rogue votes were voted or people fill out a ballot paper who knew or ought to have known that they shouldn't be voting. Yeah, so like, let's I mean, face it, if I go to a convention, I know I'm not a named delegate from my club and therefore I know I don't have voting rights. So if if however inadvertently a ballot paper lands in my lap, I know or ought to know that I don't have a vote. So five people but, who knew or ought to have known they didn't have a vote voted. Well, exactly, Ronan. Or else uh, five votes appear from somewhere that shouldn't have appeared from anywhere. Um, that seems to be the, 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 the issue here. And it's going to be a very difficult one for, for County Board to start out because, um, you know, the votes obviously are anonymous. It's secret ballots. So how do we know where the, where the five rogue votes, if you want to call them that, came from? Um, and there is no sorting out, really. There is no. This this is an issue that has been uh, discovered, and there is no real uh, real way of of going back through it. The only thing that can be done is to take the vote again, and that's going to happen in January um, by postal vote. I'm told, um, which is a system that's been used uh, in in quite a few of our neighbouring counties, including Cork for a number of years, and and Limerick has started that process as well. Um, so that's going to happen in January. And, it, you know, it, like, the, the the two lads, the two candidates, like, you could say it was a bit of a stay of execution for one of them, like, you know, but it it, it was, uh, you know, not, not a pleasant thing. I'm sure that no, they were then uh, expecting to have a result. I know? would imagine so, yeah, but it does allow yeah. them more canvassing time. Uh, so maybe it they will redouble their canvassing efforts, particularly as <laughs> if, will. and I've no reason to doubt your, 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 your knowledge on it, but if it is as tight as we are led to believe, I would imagine both of them will be... Uh, Taking out their phones and uh, making a few calls between now and Christmas. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it put it this way, Roland. If it wasn't as tight uh, as we're led to believe, this issue probably wouldn't have been no, an issue as such. You know, but you know uh, what? No, it, it, it won't happen again. The probity of the process, I would imagine, will be looked at in a view to ensure that that never can never happen again. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. And and uh, well, <laughs> funny enough, uh, there is precedent here. It happened a, a number of years ago, quite a number of years ago, uh, back in the time before there was. Uh, um, electronic voting or before there was photocopying or anything like that um, and, and it was discovered uh, sometime after the event but the result had been had been fairly Declare. comprehensive okay. so it, did, it wouldn't have mattered. You know? There is a warehouse in the Midlands I think where the e-voting machines that the government were going to <laughs> bought and maybe we could rob one of them. They were being stored in Turles for many years so there were those e-voting machines at, at enormous expense you know. Listen, we can take one of them off the government's hands if nothing else. Can I ask you about some motions that are actually a bit more juicy? One from Rose Green caught my eye because I sometimes have sympathy for Rose Green because, you know, it's, in recent times they've been in the news for, you know, players wanting to transfer and whenever a transfer happens in a club, it does cause rancour and division and, you know, it's yeah. it's, it's almost civil war politics seems to come into it as, as well, you know. But uh, they've introduced yes. a, an amendment which was passed that in re- relation to player eg- eligibility, where two or more clubs share the same catchment area, a juvenile under-17 player having established his first club may only transfer with the agreement of both clubs. Both clubs have to sign the application form. That is a change. Yeah, yeah, and that was passed. Um, yeah, it is a change. It is a change. Um, and look, I suppose, you know, coming from my own native parish in Thurles, where there would have been a number of clubs and a juvenile club too, and people would have been uh, moving between clubs, uh, it can be, it can be um, become an issue. But I think a lot of clubs would probably say that, well, look, at it, if, if a guy is minded to go to, to a different club, uh, tra- transfer to a different club, um, the, the parent club, if you want to call him that, 
um, you know, you've, you've no real business trying to hold them because if you're if you're holding them against their will, well, they're not going to give you their best anyway, you know. But yeah, it's it's it was an interesting motion. Um, it was passed fairly comprehensively too, you know. There wasn't there wasn't much of an issue with it, um, and the, the the key to it is that both uh, clubs would have to sign the application form. So Rose Green got that motion through. Um, there were a few other motions too there that were quite uh, juicy, including, in fact, one that probably took a lot of people by surprise. It came from Tumivara. Again, Tumivara were fairly active on the motion front uh, this year. But one of them, one of their, their one of their other motions uh, referred to the uh, situation where um, substitutions and temporary substitutions must be come from players who are who are on the official list submitted to the referee beforehand. And um, that obviously was in relation to the incident uh, with it in the Tumivara Kiladangan game earlier on in the year, where a player was brought on to the, the team who hadn't been on the official list, um, not not illegally, by the way, by Tumi, by Kiladangan, even though quite a few of us would have thought that God Almighty, sure, that that couldn't happen. But uh, no, t- t- Kiladangan had done nothing wrong at all. Yes, it's what no it doesn't provide for. Yeah, yeah. They also had the motion on penalty shootouts, but is there not an onus on Tumivara? If they want to do away with penalty shootouts, it's come up with what the plan B is. You can't have infinite replays. Yeah, yeah. To provide an alternative yeah, kind like of uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would think, uh, Ronan. Yeah, because I mean, like, can in this day and age, it's very, very difficult to have replay after replay indefinitely. You know, um, Morta Morta Brendan mentioned earlier on the 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 famous trilogy between uh, Dublin and Mead. Can you imagine what that would do? Yeah, can you imagine what that would do to the to the, the the calendar nowadays if it was to happen? You know, uh, when things are so condensed. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Look, the penalty shootout is it, it can be very dramatic. It, it can make for um, great entertainment for the spectators, but obviously, whoever misses, it's a, it's a big thing. And you know, these guys are not like your professional players, soccer players, or whatever who are getting. Um, Hundred thousand a week, or maybe more. Um, yeah. You know, they're they're they're, and 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 I would particularly think at juvenile level, uh, Ronan, it's it can be particularly uh, trying if a guy missed a penalty. You know, perhaps we um, need to. Do you remember the golden goal back in the year, back yeah, in the early nineties? Yeah, like next score wins kind of thing. Yeah, you or, or you have to that. you have to win by two or something like that. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. but like uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, the expenditure. Just, I'm going to finish on this. I mean, the amount it costs to keep teams on the road has gone up. Yeah. I think three hundred thousand year on year, up to nearly yeah. one point eight million. Holy it's God! Extraordinary. Holy, how are you going to pay yeah, for this? Yeah, it's extraordinary. And 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 you know the 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 thing about that too is that like we didn't have a particularly long intercounty year this year. You know, um, our our senior team didn't go on. Like our football team was out fairly early. All of our teams are, you know didn't really progress too far so I mean you could probably add if we were going well you could probably add another six seven weeks onto the um, the season in a good year now obviously a good year too would probably result in more income coming in because there tends to be greater support and there's greater commercial opportunities and all that if you're going well you know um, but uh, yeah it's 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 um it's a horse that's running out of control, really, and we're not we're not in the worst scenario actually. To very, I mean, you've you've seen the figures from some of the other counties. I mean, God Almighty, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary the the, the level of expenditure um, that's there. Um, and the thing about it is that um, you know players now um, are used to being looked after really well, which they are in Tipperary, and and, and rightly so. They're they're used to that. 
and you can't really roll back on that. It's very difficult to roll back on that now, you know. This is, uh, I'm going to leave you with this, but it requires far more discussion than we'd have time for, but in the inevitable merger between the LGFA, the Camogie Association and the GAA, the amount of money that's going to be available to play, pay players their expenses is going to have to be split three ways and um, yeah. that's going to have huge ramifications for for people's expenses, let me just put it that way. Listen, i got to fly, um, but it's really good talking to you. As always, Noel, thanks for your time and happy Christmas to everyone up in Many happy returns, Roland. All right. Many happy returns anytime. Thanks Take care. Noel Dundon joining us there. Really interesting stuff in the convention this weekend. Um, newly re-elected CEO of the West Board, John O'Shea is on the line. How are you, John? Uh, hello, Roland. Congratulations on your reappointment to high office. Um, fair play to you. Can I? Uh, sorry, I said chairman. I mean PRO. My apologies. <laughs> I don't want to hoist that upon you too much. John, I want to talk about the uh, under twenty one finals commercials against Kappa White Gales. We did think about this that Kappa White would come and really provide some stern opposition in light of the fact that they've been so impressive against Balna, really impressive against Galtee Rovers in the West Final. But commercials had too much for them. Commercials had too much of them, like uh, especially they had too much of them on the scoreboard because uh, you know Kevin White did put up a good show, but they 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 weren't able to convert their possession onto the scoreboard where it matters. And you know if you saw the the commercials team, like now in fairness, there was five of the team that started the senior final playing, plus uh, plus um, Shane Ryan who who played earlier in the earlier rounds of the championship. So there were you know a formidable outfit uh, commercials were. But, you know, they attacked really from, from the off and, and it, it, it put an awful lot of pressure on the Capagayas' defence. But they, 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 you know, they weathered the storm. And then in a breakaway there, about after five minutes, Stephen D went up the field and he was fouled and he, he converted the, the free. And, for the, you know, Capagayas were ahead for, for the one and only time in the game because right from the puck out, Dad O'Connor picked up the ball and he equalised at the far end. And... Uh, then, you know, the, probably the first big chance came to Kappa Gales there. There was a great move there uh, involving Connor Martin, Mikey O'Brien, and eventually uh, Stephen D. and eventually ended up with Anthony Barry. But uh, Shane Ryan saved very, very well, like, you know, saved a certain goal in it. So after that, then, you know, that sort of uh, knocked Kappa back a bit. Commercials got two points there around a the quarter of an hour mark there, one from Ty uh, Sheehan and the other from uh, Carl Dealey. <clears throat> and then, I suppose, the real disaster struck on 16 minutes. Uh, Peter McGarry goal there, four commercials down at the at the, the dressing room end there. Probably, you know, looked like he was kicking for a pint and the ball dropped in under the bar. Uh, I thought and that. Straight away from the kick. Yeah, I thought that. I saw it, saw it on social media and I did wonder whether he meant what he... he I, we'll reserve judgment on what he'd say himself but it did look like he was going for a point it did yeah because uh, they were playing with a bit of whatever gale was in it there and the wind was blowing down diagonally across there but straight from the kick out he collected the ball again and he put it over the bear so all of a sudden it was 1-4 to a pint uh, you know in the space of a couple of minutes uh, Declan E got in for a pint and then just coming up to half time there young Buckley the Brian Buckley there got a got a, a pint for uh, Kappa, so it was one five to two points at half time, and we did expect something out of out of uh, Kappa in the second half, and they did in the f- first ten minutes. There, they sort of, you know, after forty seconds, Stephen D. There, right from the throwing, they got a point, and then they they sort of they laid siege on the commercials' goal, but they just couldn't get the ball. There was a couple of bad wides there, they, you know, a uh, couple of saves, you know, the the just not getting the green, yeah. 
No, they didn't. Now, and, you know, a team like Kappa needed something like that. But the next thing, then, in a breakaway counter-attack, then Alex Creed got a point for commercials and, you know, so won six to uh, three points, six-point game. Stephen D did come. He probably got the score of the game there on 14 minutes there, all right. Uh, uh, good work. Our old Bond, Ryan Bond came up the field there. And it was uh, one six to four points. And uh, then 18 minutes, D got another from a free one six to five. But then... Dean Smith uh, got in for his first score of the game there. And uh, then Kappa, you know, had a Kappa goalkeeper in there. He made a great save there from uh, Dan Mill, uh, what you call him, James Morris, actually, when Ross Slattery went up the field. And uh, he got on it. So that was, a, you know, a let-off for Kappa Gale. But then, look, at coming down the, the home straight in, Darrell O'Connor, you know, a ball going wide there from a 45 by Joe Higgins. That O'Connor, you know, saved it on the line. High field is on the end line and he got a great point from almost an impossible angle. Then Carl Dealey got in for his second and Smith got in. And, you know, commercial ran out one ten to five points just, there. Just listen there was to the names you're mentioning. You can see the strength and depth that commercials have. Can you? Listen, yeah. and many congratulations to commercials on winning the Shelley Cup to go with the uh, Odoara Cup earlier on. Before I let you go, I've only got a minute left, uh, John, but uh, Mile Rovers defeated... Uh, golden by Roma defeated Golden, yeah. Like they were, the goal came on the 27 minutes of the first half from Jake Forrestal there and gave him a, a 1 3 to 3 points there. Sam Hall with 3 first half points from play for Golden. Second half, Golden came back at him and they went to a start of. So it was level there with 18 minutes gone in the second half. 7 points for Golden, uh, 1 4 for for, uh, for um, Mile Rovers. And then 27 minutes again in the second half, Darrow Welch got in for a goal, the second goal, and that really put the kibosh on it as well as Golden. Jack Leamy finished off there with a pint from a match. So Rovers ran, ran out 2-5 to 8 pints there. Golden had their chances, all right, but look at overall, uh, my Rovers were deserving winners. Yeah, and many congratulations to them as well. John, many thanks for all your contributions to the show over the course of the last year, and we look forward to probably 2024 before we're chatting to you again, but never knows what happens next week. We'll try and cobble a show together in advance of the Christmas. So many thanks for your time and efforts. No problem, no problem. And happy Christmas to all of you out in West Tip. John's gone, but anyway, he knows I'm wishing him happy Christmas. Anyway, uh, our text number is 083-311-3311. Delighted to be joined on the line by uh, someone who's just landed back in the country um, from her um, home away from home in London, and Sean O'Keefe's on the line. How are you, Shauna? I'm good, Ronan. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Firstly, congratulations. Uh, I watched the fight on the streaming service, and I was hugely impressed with everything that happened. Were you nervous going into it? Because you can train and spar and prepare, but until it's the time as you step through the ropes, you're not really sure how it's going to go. Um, I'm not going to lie. It didn't really hit me until I was actually doing the ring walk, what was actually going on. <laughs> so, yeah, I got, I got really, really nervous, to be honest, with you getting into the ring. Does that tighten you up? Like, you know, you try to be as loose as you can when you're getting out of the, the, the changing rooms, you're getting your hands strapped up and all the rest. I'd say you tighten a lot as you step into the ring. <laughs> Yeah, it did. Um, I really didn't um, kind of settle until the third round. It took me the two, definitely the two rounds to kind of loosen out and kind of realise what was going on. Um, I think I was in a bit of a daze. It was a, it was a lot. Like the training was brand new. Everything was going good. I was fully prepared. And then I think they just don't mentally prepare you for exactly what is happening. When you do that ring walk, you realise that, oh, my God, it's actually my pro debut. And, oh, my God, I'm in your call. It's mm. something I've worked Towards and um, dreams of like my entire life, my entire boxing career, and 
yeah, I think I was in a bit of a trance, to be honest with you, until the third round. You knew the, your opponent in advance, obviously, and you knew she was tall and you knew she had a reach advantage. So how much time did you spend working out tactics to counteract her reach advantage? Um, if I'm being very honest with you, we only found out about the opponent um, the week before. So I actually only had like three, maybe five days of preparation for her. Is that sufficient? Because uh, she has a significant physical advantage over you in that reach. Um, so because I've been in the game for so long and obviously all the experience I've learned in the Cromwell Boxing Club and all the other opponents I've been in with my entire career, you are able at my level to adapt for those tall, rangy fighters. We did expect her to be rangy, but we actually expected her to be more on the back foot. She wasn't really too much on the back foot with me. She was a complete different fighter than what we prepared and what we expected uh, to come in Friday night. She literally came with her A-game to try and beat me and take me out of there when all the other fights that you watch on YouTube that she's been in, she was 90% on the back foot. She ran. Get me? Yeah, so no, I understand you. She was a much better fighter in Friday. So we just had to adapt to her. I don't think... She, like, you can't prepare in um, training for the likes of that opponent and even at that for Annie because you never know what kind of opponent's really going to turn up on the day so you just have to adapt as you go through the fight. One man who joins us on the line knows you very well, Martin Fennessy, the Angelo Dundee, if you like, of uh, Shauna's career. How are you, Martin? Crocodile Dundee, how are you? <laughs> Crocodile <laughs> Dundee. <laughs> Sean is too young to remember Angelo Dundee or maybe Custom Atom or something like that. But anyway, uh, how, how impressed were you by what you saw on Saturday night? Friday night? Uh, oh, Friday night. Oh, it was an awesome display, really. Very hard fight, I thought, running now, uh, a girl of 33 contests uh, in the professional ranks, uh, boxed up to welterweight. It wouldn't be a fight I'd be picking for a debut, to be honest with you now. It was a very, very hard fight. But does it but speak volumes she of over... the faith that Shauna has in herself and perhaps more importantly, the faith that her, her team have in her that they picked this Lithuanian girl to fight her? It does. It, it, it does in part, but uh, uh, it could have been a potential banana skin at an earlier, early in your career, which is very hard to turn around if it goes wrong. But, but uh, she overcame it in style. She... she, she I didn't see her losing a round. It was five rounds to one. Uh, it might have been one close round in it, but I thought she landed the better shots throughout, the heavy shots, more punches in each round, and controlled the ring and pushed her opponent back for the six rounds. Uh, for the first time doing six rounds, I thought it was fantastic. Sh- uh, she she probably emptied the tank mm. uh, uh, more than she needed to. Uh, I, I, I think as she go on in time and progress, uh, she will hold back a lot more and she'll be able to do that over the longer distance. She's got a great engine and it's just it's just experience at that level, that's all. Shauna, we know you're in great shape, but no matter what shape you're in, six rounds of professional boxing is a very different animal to whatever you can prepare for in the gym. Yeah, definitely. Um, like It has to be factored in as well. It was my first time um, fighting with no headgear, my first time with eight-ounce gloves, so... The whole, the whole entire experience was completely new to me. So if you take everything into consideration with everything I had to deal with, and she was a very, very tricky opponent, it was kind of 
dangerous ground to be taken it. I'm just blessed I'm the fighter I am to be able to get through a fight and get through an opponent like that and do it the way I did it, to be very honest with you. Um, if it was anyone else, it, it may not have went the way it went, uh, but I'm able to bite down in the gum field and I have a fighter, I have a fight in me that it would be very, very hard to outfight and outwork. I'm literally, I work two nails. I do everything in, in my power inside the ring to win and that's exactly what I did. May have overdone it and over, overshined a bit, but I wasn't getting out of that ring without getting the W and that's the most important part of uh, their pro debut. So. Um, you you kind of had a, you know, a looping left hook that was landing. Did, how long does it take it to get find your range? Um, I think uh, my range was off a small bit in the first um, two rounds, I think. But that, that was mainly down to nerves and obviously awareness because I didn't really switch on really until the third. And then I started to find my feet. I started to find my range and everything started to work out. So it was good. But it, the main thing is, is being able to adapt. And that's the difference between being a world-class fighter, being able to adapt. And I, I adapted, which is absolutely fantastic. And I turned things around. I may have blew myself out, but I boxed the fight that I needed to fight um, to beat this girl. She did everything in her power to try and mm. smother my work and make me look bad. And it was overcome. So, um, yeah, it was good. Mar I got I got. I got everything the way I needed to. Martin, um, you and I would have both been listening to the commentary and what struck me was that the English commentators who had never seen Shauna before were hugely impressed by what they saw as well. So it's not about make, it's not about winning. You kind of have to impress on the, in the ring in the professional ranks as well, don't you? Oh, you do. Uh, she caught the eye on the show on Friday night. She, she, it's probably the best fight of the night. But what, what I liked was the woman commentator was a, a former world champion. And she was really impressed with Shauna. And plus, one of the one of the commentators, been many world champions, and he trained Shauna's coach for his first fifteen fights. So they were very impressed. And when you hear people like that talking about it, it gives her great hope in the future going forward. I would hope they don't rush her too quick. And I I, I can understand everyone wants to do everything quick, but I think. It should be paced nice, nicely, and she's capable of going the whole way. But it has to be done, uh, and her, her boxing side, side of it needs to be managed for her uh, uh, with, with proper promoters uh, and managers that know what they're doing in, in in the pro game. I think her coach is very good at the moment. There's good stuff for her, but there's a lot, a lot to get right, and a lot, a lot of things uh, going forward. But when you have the enthusiasm that Shauna has, it can bring it to the top. You know, a, a, a great inspiration to all the young kids in Clonmel. Absolutely. I think that has to be pointed out tonight. She was up at the club making a presentation to uh, a young boy, Callum Fitzgerald. A simple thing, boxer of the month, but it's a huge thing to him and to the other kids. And that's the, the measure of the girl to come back. She's a product of our gym. We're very proud of her, even though we're not training her now. And we're not in the professional game and we don't know anything about the professional game. But she's a product of our gym and we're very proud of her. Shauna, I just leave it last word with you and to say firstly congratulations to you and to stay fit and well. I hope you enjoy your Christmas <clears throat> and your time home before you head back uh, to perhaps fight early again in 2024. Is that the plan? I have a date confirmed. I'll actually announce it now. Um, I'm out the 3rd of February in North Hall, Bethnal Green again. 
uh, going straight into an eight-rounder. And, um, yeah, I am seeking help with sponsorship for people to get involved for 2024, that it's going to be a huge year. And please, for anyone in Clonmel uh, that is willing to buy tickets and come see me and join join the journey, not only sit at home and watch, uh, watch me on their TV come and actually support, it would mean the absolute world because this is started something big. I proved it on Friday. Everybody thought it was all talk, um, but I, I literally showed that I can do it and I can go all the way um, Friday night. So I need the support. Just well, please, everybody, get on board and support me. 3rd of February, Bethnal Green. That's a Saturday night in February 2024. Shauna, we wish you well. Thank you again for your time tonight. Thank you, Martin. And uh, wish you both a very happy sure. Christmas and a really, really Eventful so 2024, much, guys. Okay. Thanks indeed, Sean. Take Happy care. Christmas to you. Bye, bye. God bless. Bye, bye. Thank you. Uh, a bit of news there from... Good news. Good, really good Tipperary sports story. Sean O'Keefe fighting professionally in over in London and will fight again on Saturday the 3rd of February in York Hall, one of the real spiritual homes of boxing in London, Bethnal Green in East London. We wish her well. Break next, back in a minute. Extra time on Tip FM, brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Owen Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clonmel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie other text number is 083 One texter says, uh, congratulations to my Karki minor Kamogi ladies on winning their first ever minor A title in the rag yesterday. Many congratulations to my Karki on that debut minor A title for the girls. Many congratulations. 083 We turn our attention next to rugby and there's a big, big weekend of rugby coming up locally next Saturday to talk about what happened the Saturday just gone by and to look ahead to next Saturday John Long from Nina Ormond joins me how are you John? Hey Ronan uh, Firstly congratulations on the win against um, Greystones it sounded pretty straightforward 38-5 with what five tries scored and a bonus point secured exactly what you wanted Yeah good day at the office, I suppose the conditions weren't um, they weren't great the wind was the wind was fairly fairly strong but thankfully the lads the lads kept it together and came out the right side of it you know, the wins keep coming. I think that's eight from eight at this stage. Uh, you're obviously keeping everyone fit. Yeah, it's a huge a huge part of it. Um, the, the fitness levels at the moment, strength and conditioning, it, they're all, they've all bought into it and since July, since pre-season or since last year, you could say. Um, you know, and it's it's shown in the field. They're just, um, they're, they're, they're on top of their game and, and, and there's no kind of, there's no end to them at the moment. They're just, on a winning a winning run. Have you one eye on next weekend? Yeah, we it's it's, it's a huge game as you say, it's a derby. It's um but you know, we just we take every game as it comes and, and we prepare this week the same as we prepared every other week. So you've got Cashel in Cashel next Saturday. It's a game you can hear live on Tip FM next Saturday afternoon. And Cashel are currently second, they're five points behind you. They beat Old Crescent twenty points to six. And one thing and I don't need to tell you this because you're long enough at this to know that Cashel are hard bet or even if you get ahead of them you would want to be back in the dressing room before you know you've beaten them Yeah they're really really tough opponents and, and down there it's, it's even harder you know so it's um, it's going to be a serious serious battle to two teams in, in really good form Cashel are just they're a great side they're, they're, they're strong and there's no there's no easy win had 
uh, ever, you know, playing them. So it's going to be a serious match. I mean, we've spoken about this before, but the fact you're, you're playing Cashel, you have your Christmas break, and then you come back and you're playing Cashel again, the second time, obviously, up in Lissatoni. So these two games may well go a long way to deciding how league positions end up at the end of the year. They won't be, they won't be fatal to either team, but they will be pivotal. They will. It's a huge, a huge uh, point in the season. You know, the back-to-back games at this this time of the year. Um, it, it it does kind of it does lead you into where you how the season turns out. But um, as I say, we're just taking each game as it comes now, and, and the same game plan applies. Does does the fact that you're playing Cashel back to back does that how does that impact like how you know it's a kind of a trite question but like the first game will determine an awful lot of how the second one's going to go I would imagine yeah yes it's it's um, the way the the way the league is is the the way the league is run it it happens every year so you're used to it you play every game every team before Christmas and then it's reversed for after Christmas so um, it, it 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 is a familiar fixture then after Christmas but. Again, it's, it's, it doesn't it doesn't really determine anything. Those eighty minutes every Saturday are they're, they're never the same. Yeah, listen, it's going to be a belter next weekend. Many congratulations to yourselves and to Cashel on your continued winning ways. Cashel overcoming Old Crescent, Nina Ormond overcoming Greystones. We're looking forward to next Saturday intensely here uh, on the station, and I think everyone who can't make it up to uh, to Cashel to watch that game really do try and get there first and foremost and if you don't make it we will have the game live for you here on Tip FM thanks indeed for joining us thank you not at all John Long joining us there uh, from Nina Ormond Rugby Club but that game will be live here on Tip FM next Saturday afternoon um, just before we go off air a quick word with uh, Barry Ryan on TSDL. how are you Barry? No, Barry's not there yet, but he will be in a minute. Um, our text number again is 083 311 Barry should be there now. How are you, Barry? Great, you're on. Lots to talk about, Barry, because uh, I'm going to start with Powerstown, if you don't mind, because their odyssey in the Munster League has uh, come to an end. They were at home this weekend in the Munster Junior Shield, I should say, uh, it, against Balinanti. It finished 2-1 to Balinanti. Yeah, look, it finished 2-1 to Balinanti. Balinanti boasted a few ex-Premier Division players, strong side. I think Powerstown would be really, really pleased that, you know, they went out on their shields, you know, they put up a good performance, um, you know, got themselves a goal as well, made it a really um, kind of good finish to the game. And yeah, look, I think they represented themselves really well. You don't want to go on a little run like that and get bet 5-0 maybe then, you know, and be, and be knocked out that way. So I think there's huge positives for them. Yeah, so uh, congratulations, Emma. It was a good run in, in the season. The, the penalty shootout, I understand, was played in really Baltic conditions when they went down to John Bosco's last weekend, but uh, had a good bus ride home. So uh, I'm sure that they'll reflect on that as the season goes on. And I think they're pushing for promotion, so there's a lot for them to continue to play for. The Munster Junior Cup fourth and fifth round took place. Michaels had a really potential banana skin. Ashling and Akati are a very, very good side. But uh, St. Michael's, another clean sheet, 2-0 to the Saints. Yeah, it's kind of like Groundhog Day and we have these conversations. Yeah, just managed to, day, yeah. yeah, managed the game really, really well. They don't give away anything. Uh, Reese O'Regan provided that spark again for the opening goal. A really good finish. Great pullback from Jimmy Carr. Um, and then Ashing and Akati went down to 10 men. A second yellow card. I don't think any arguments. Um, and then, you know, Mseveik is always going to put um, sort of punish them once they come out a bit looking for that equaliser. And Jimmy got himself on the mark as well. Um, and even like, you know, as the game went on, um, Joey Mulcahy, 
Russell Quirk um, coming off the bench. We have that kind of depth, um, and they actually played really, really well when they came on. Um, so you know, they, like for say Michael's match on, huge competition for places. Um, you know, and look, I don't think anyone will want them in the next round. No, and also in the fifth round of the Munster Junior Cup, Clamell Celtic were away to Blarney United, and they're getting on a bit of run of form now, aren't they? Yeah, to go down to Cork, I said I, well, I couldn't call it last week in terms of this game. Uh, it was good to see Rory O'Dowd there because the new commercials are playing as well. So that's a, you know, hopefully, I hope from a soccer point of view, that's a statement of intent. Um, and uh, Billy Rowan got a goal again. He's, he's kind of popped up regularly. He's played a little bit of League of Ireland stuff and actually has that bit of quality. And I was delighted to see Graham Kelly get a goal as well. He's the fittest I've seen him in years. Um, and he's been he's proved to be a really shrewd signing for them. Um, and a really, really good result. And it's funny, you know, a lot of us have lamented maybe the quality of the TSGL and, you know, the strength and depth. But then, I suppose, the counter-argument for a lot of people will be now the three TSGL teams involved. Um, at the latter stages of Munster Junior Cup Yeah, Peak Villa also involved they had a 4-1 home win against Ring Mahon Rangers this is in, in a in a fourth round delayed fixture so they're still playing a bit of catch up with uh, Saints and Celtic Yeah, and look again it took a while for the first goal to come conditions were really, really poor a tough day for football but you know they were Ring Mahon were holding on and holding on but once the dam burst um, the goals kept coming Pippi Carroll over the score and Rowan and Maguire got on the score sheet again um, and you know um, Peakville are scoring a lot of goals um, so look I think they were always going to win the game um, but Ringman put up a fight for 50-55 minutes in fairness to them Yeah one game took forward to next week is the Munster Champions Cup final semi-final I should say Peakville against Villa United of Waterford uh, be interesting to see how Peak approached this one Oh, this is a game I'm really looking forward to. Villa Waterford won 11 0 at the weekend in the Munster Junior Cup down in Cork. Um, Villa FC are just a top, top side. You've got former FA Junior Cup champions coming to Turles. And that year, Villa won the FA Junior Cup. They beat Peak Villa 2 1 in the quarter final, and it was a really, really Home tight dinger. game. Yeah. Yeah, a humdinger of a game. So I think Peak Villa will relish this. And this is the game they look forward to. Two of the most attacking teams in the country going toe to toe next weekend. For anybody in Turles, I would say get up to, the, or anyone in Tipperary, get up to um, Peak Villa next Sunday. It's going to be as good a game as you'll see in junior football. Barry, as always, many thanks for your time tonight. Thanks a million, Ron. Not at all. That's Barry Ryan talking to us there on local soccer. We've got to go. Ian O'Connor produced. We'll talk to you next Monday night. Good night and good luck. I don't want to get.